For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. How are you now? <laughs> How are you now? Oh boy. Folks, that's that's arguably the most fun I've had watching a Montreal Canadiens game since that playoff run. Holy fuck. Your Montreal Canadiens beat the Pittsburgh Penguins 5-4 to four in overtime. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and I am fired up. I'm fired up after that. How can you not be? I, I don't care about, about a rebuild. Like, uh, the rebuild's not over, right? Anybody who's saying the rebuild's over, you're, unfortunately, I I respect your opinion, but you're wrong. Um, it's it's not over, but we can still be excited about what we're seeing, and, and what we're seeing right now is fantastic. What did I say at the beginning of the season? Like the first episode that I did. I want to see entertainment. I want to see young players leading the charge. I want to see development. We're seeing all of that. And we saw all of it in spades on Saturday night against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Holy shit. That was a great game. So let's just dive right into that recap. Because I really want to get to the to the end part where I get to talk about specific players. This game was basically dominated pillar to post by the Montreal Canadiens. They were fantastic. Early in the first period, Sean Monaghan takes a shot, misses the net, but the Habs manage to keep it in, and it ends with Josh Anderson circling up near the point and just firing a nice laser beam, seeing-eye shot through traffic, beating Tristan Jari and making it one nothing for the Montreal Canadiens. Now, Habs are up one nothing. Only 11 total shots in that first period. It was like 7-4 to four for the Habs. Very weak overall now towards the end of that period a comical dive by former hab jeff petrie gives the pittsburgh penguins a power play so we start the second period with the pittsburgh penguins on the power play because of again a comical dive by jeff petrie the refs getting fooled yet again we're not going to turn this into an official complaint don't worry but bullshit call that was a dive whatever we go into the second period, they have their power play, and guess who? Jeff Petrie is the one who cashes in on it, sort of. He's cutting around behind the net, throws it out front, banks it in off Jake Evans, and makes it 1-1. A couple minutes later, clearing attempt gets blocked by a fucking ref. <laughs> I don't want to turn this into an official complaint, 
But anyways, the, the ref was badly positioned on that one. He was facing away from the puck. You should always be facing towards the puck. Puck banks off of him. Um, prevents the zone exit by the Montreal Canadiens. Gets to Marcus Pedersen. He fires it. Ricard Raquel gets a tip on it and puts it in the net. It's 2-1 to one for the Penguins. The Habs had 20 shots on goal just in the second period. They only had seven in the first. By the end of the second period, they had 27 shots on net. And they couldn't score. Tristan Jari was really holding the fort for the Penguins. Again, the Habs were dominant in this game. And the second period was no exception. Uh, They just couldn't score. Tristan Jari was great in that period. Uh, So we go into the third with a 2-1 lead for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And that's where things get nutty. Absolutely nutty. So early in the third period, Puck gets back to Cole Caulfield at the point. All right, we've seen Cole Caulfield score from a lot of places on the ice, but the point is not one of them, and he fires one through traffic, gets it in. But wait, there is a challenge by the Pittsburgh Penguins for goaltender interference. Kirby Dock got ridden into the goaltender by one of the defensemen. I forget who it was on the Penguins, and it's a little bit gray area. We're not too sure, but guess what? For once, the officials side with the Montreal Canadiens, and the goal counts. So Pittsburgh goes to the penalty kill, but they kill it off. Shortly after they kill it off, Jason Zucker throws it out to Evgeny Malkin in the offensive zone. Malkin goes to the backhand. Not sure if that one was deflected or not, but they credited it to Malkin, and it's 3-2 to two for the Penguins. Habs just can't seem to stay out of their own way. But then, not long after that, Nick Suzuki gets it kind of off to the side of the slot dangles around one defenseman feeds Kirby Doc Kirby Doc has no shot so he gives it back to Suzuki and Suzuki goes skate to stick and puts it in the net and ties this game at three big Nick energy Galley Brendan Gallagher and Jake Gensel later on they go off for coincidental minors the whole thing was started by Jake uh, no by by Brendan Gallagher and uh, Jake Gensel punched him in the face a couple of times, so we go off for coincidentals, right? And then David Savard gets a tripping penalty, and now we're four on three for the Penguins. But then Letang, Chris Letang takes a penalty as well, so now we're three on three. We're three on three in regulation. Not overtime, folks. We're in regulation play, and we see three on three hockey. You don't see that very often. Nick Suzuki almost scores early in that three on three, but off the ensuing faceoff, Pittsburgh goes the other way. Two on one, Brock McGinn scores and makes it four to three for Pittsburgh. But that very same sequence of penalties, because of the way that they were ordered, I just told you the order, right? We had coincidence, then we had David Savard, then we had Chris Letang. It leads eventually to a, a Habs power play. Jonathan Drouin gets the puck up at the point, takes a shot, it's stopped by Tristan Jari, as many other shots were in this game. But Sean Monahan, Johnny on the spot, is in perfect position to bang home that rebound. 4-4, four to four, we are going to overtime. And overtime is just as thrilling as you thought it would be if you watched that third period. There's no way watching that third period that you're going to have a boring 3-on-3 three three overtime. And they did not. It, it was excellent. Um, it was going back and forth a little bit at the start. They started off with Caulfield and Suzuki with Caden Gooley against Crosby, Malkin, and I think it was Latang. So that was pretty much a wash, which is a win for Montreal. You have Crosby and Malkin against 
Suzuki and Caulfield, that alone, just to have it be a wash is a win for Montreal. I don't care. And after that, Kirby Doc jumps on the ice with Mike Hoffman. And guess what? Gooley behind the net. He just waits. He's patient. Habs go up ice. Kirby Doc takes the pass from Mike Hoffman. He cuts in on the wing, throws it out front, and Mike Hoffman's right there. He bangs it in. Five to four for your Montreal Canadiens. What a fucking game. Holy shit. That was amazing. I got to tell you, the, the last time that I cheered that hard, I think was probably maybe game four against the Lightning in the Stanley Cup final. Not entirely sure, honestly. Last year was rough. Um, I For sure, I'll tell you that the last time I cheered anywhere near as hard as I did against the Penguins there was during that run in the playoffs. This was a great game. This game proved that they have the framework in place for a competitor in the next couple of years. Uh, the rebuild's not over. Like I said right at the outset of this podcast, it's not over. Anybody who's saying it's over, again, respect your opinion, but they still got some work to do. But when you look at that game, you got young players. You got Kirby Doc, Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield leading the charge. You're getting some contribution from veterans like Josh Anderson, who is apparently on the trade block right now for the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, th- th- this team is not far off from competing. I don't think that this rebuild is going to take five, six years like some people have said. I think within the next couple of years, they got a shot at being a real threat, at least in the Eastern Conference, if not for the Stanley Cup. You have some very good prospects. You know, Sean Farrell had a very good night tonight. Some of these guys are going to come up. Maybe you get some better goaltending. I mean, they're getting great goaltending right now out of two guys that are not expected to give them great goaltending. It's proof that you can find the pieces that you need. The framework is there already. If they keep building off that framework, if they get this next offseason right, who knows? They could be in the playoffs next year. They could be in the playoffs this year. Right now, they occupy a playoff spot, as as far as I know. I might have to go double-check the standings real quick before I say that, but... They might still be in a playoff spot right now. I don't see them making the playoffs this year, but that doesn't matter. You got two first-round picks, so you might as well sit on those and try to nail the offseason and really get there next year. But, Christ, what a game. They got swagger. They were down in that game multiple times. They just kept coming back. Uh, They dominated that game from pillar to post. Last year, when they dominated games but they went down, that was where they gave up. They threw up their hands and they went, all right, well, we're going to lose this one. And they just did nothing about it for the rest of the game. This season, when they dominate but they go down, boy, do they fight to make sure they stay in that game and make sure that they win it. This team has heart. And speaking of heart, your player of the game, from my standpoint anyways, it's got to be Nick Suzuki, the captain, the heart of the team. Oh, man. If he isn't breaking every statistical model right now. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. 
spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2, now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. There's There's been a few guys that are in you know the advanced stat crowd that are kind of pointing out that his on-ice shooting percentage is a little bit higher than it should be. And they're kind of ignoring the fact that he plays with Cole Caulfield and your on-ice shooting percentage is typically going to go up when you play with an elite shooter. Um, but he's he's proving a lot of people wrong right now. He's certainly proving the Vegas Golden Knights wrong for trading him. Keep in mind, when the Habs acquired Nick Suzuki... Bergevin was trying to get glass off of them. Cody Glass, to be specific. That was who he wanted. They insisted on it being Nick Suzuki instead. Think about how stupid Vegas looks right now for trading away Nick Suzuki and getting Max Pacioretty and then trading away Max Pacioretty for future considerations. You don't even have the player that you were willing to give up that much for. And Montreal is sitting here with found money not even found money, but given money because <laughs> the Knights didn't want to part ways with glass. They don't even have glass anymore. God, the Knights are a mess. But Nick Suzuki, not a mess. Nick Suzuki deserved absolutely to be named captain of the Montreal Canadiens. He did everything that he needed to do, and now he's leading them on the ice as well. That goal, I mean, he dangled the shit out of whoever it was on Pittsburgh's defense. I I would have to go back and look at my own highlight to figure it out. Uh, I can't remember at this point, and I'm too lazy to go back and look, but it doesn't matter. He dangles the shit out of him, tries to give a gimme to Doc, and then, God bless Kirby Doc, he realizes that he doesn't have a proper whack at it. He can't get it on net, so he gives it back. And you give Nick Suzuki time and space, he's going to put it in. He almost ended the game during that three-on-three in the third period there when they had the penalty fest. A beautiful play. If he had just been able to elevate his backhand, it would have been another goal for him. I mean, people keep wondering, when's the regression going to come for him? Fuck regression when it comes to Nick Suzuki. He he might actually start scoring at a higher pace. And I I say that like I'm somebody who I, I believe in advanced stats. I definitely think that they have a lot of value when it comes to evaluating players and trying to predict you know reasonable projections for players but when it comes to Nick Suzuki he's he's breaking some of these models right now and you you gotta love it especially as a Montreal Canadiens fan you gotta love it because he is one of the more fun players that we've had the opportunity to watch in a long time who's the last guy that the Habs had who's as fun to watch as him. Kovalev? Maybe Koivu? I I think it's probably one of those two. You might even have to go further back and say Danfus. I mean, it, it, takes, it takes a lot to beat what he's bringing right now. He's fantastic. I like his chances to continue breaking those models, and um, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm willing to keep watching more of it. And then that brings me to one of his line mates as well. Close second for player of the game would have been Kirby Doc. Kirby Doc, another two assists on the night. He's at a point per game at this point. They, they got him from Chicago basically for Alexander Romanov. 
Obviously, that wasn't the actual trade. They didn't trade Alexander Romanov for Kirby Dock one for one. Uh, they had to go through New York Islanders and they traded him for the pick, uh, 12th overall, I think it was. And 12th overall went to Chicago. Chicago took, who did they take? Oh, they took uh, Frank Nazar. So I don't know. Maybe Frank Nazar ends up being an absolute gangster in the NHL and we regret it because we could have taken him with the pick. But I mean, Kirby Doc, in the sample that we have in front of us, has proven to be the perfect winger for Caulfield and Suzuki. The perfect winger. Maybe he was supposed to be a winger all along. I know I said that a couple of times. I think this is the second time I've said it just on this podcast, never mind in all the other episodes previous. I know that when it comes to hockey players, sometimes you get pigeonholed into a position that you shouldn't necessarily be in. Not to revert this back to my own hockey experience, but I was put on defense when I was younger because I was bigger than most of the other kids. So they put me on defense. They were like, this is where you play. It wasn't where I wanted to play, and I didn't really love it there, but I was pretty good at it, and I ended up staying there for many years. Maybe you have that kind of a situation with Kirby Doc. You know, he's a big dude, happens to be really handsy with the puck, you know, can dangle. Obviously, not going to put a guy like that on defense necessarily. Although, he could be. <laughs> Maybe he's a really good defenseman too. Who knows? But, anyways, clearly a forward. So, you, you shove him at center because he's probably the biggest guy on any line that he's going to play on. Right? Maybe they miss the forest for the trees. Maybe he's supposed to be a winger. Maybe the Habs lucked into figuring that out. And maybe the way that they lucked into it was by trading with Chicago and taking on a player that they gave up on too quickly. I don't know. But I'll tell you this. Through the amount of a sample that we currently have, we are seeing a player that clearly works very well with Suzuki and Caulfield, and there's no reason to break that up. I am loving every second of it. Can't wait to see more of it. That brings me to Caulfield. What more can you say about Cole Caulfield? He was getting stymied in the last couple of games. You know, you're kind of wondering, when's his next goal going to come? And where does he score it from? None of the places that he normally scores from. Not in tight, not at the face-off dot, not in the slot, not in the high slot. No, he scores from the point. (laughs) This guy can score from everywhere. This guy has one of the best shots that we've seen in a very long time. And guess what, folks? You thought I forgot about the countdown? I did not. 31 goals to go. He's hitting 40 this season, folks. There's no shot that this guy's not hitting 40. The way this team's playing, the way they're coming together, we got a better shot of me suiting up for the Habs than we do of Cole Caulfield not hitting 40 goals. He's doing it. Um, I, I believe in it. 31 to go. And we're only 15 games in. I mean, Christ. Other great performances. uh, Who else could I mention? Mike Hoffman, yet again. Mike Hoffman ending the game. If his trade value was going up after the last couple of games, it's sky high at this point. Go Mike Hoffman. Unblock me on Twitter, buddy. (laughs) Um, Who else? Arbor Jackai had a great game. Caden Gooley had a great game. Jordan Harris 
had a great game. Three young defensemen played very well in the back end. Mike Matheson is apparently coming close to making a return. I'm telling you guys now, I'm, I'm going to make a prediction on this podcast. That's going to be my closing bit here. When Mike Matheson comes back, they're going to put Chris Weidman on waivers. They're not sending down any of those three. Caden Gooley, Arbor Jacki, Jordan Harris, they are all staying with the Habs for the rest of the season. There's no shot that they're going to keep icing Chris Weidman over any of those three. Those guys are playing fantastic hockey. You're seeing them get better as the season goes on. There's no chance that they're going to jeopardize that just so that they can have uh, Mike Matheson in the lineup. But at the same time, Mike Matheson's a guy that you went out and traded. He was the big returning piece in the Jeff Petrie trade. You're not going to just put him on the bench either. You're not going to send him to the press box. So someone's got to go. And I'm making a prediction now. I think Chris Weidman going on waivers. I don't think they're sending any of their three young defensemen down. I think right now, with what this team's got, like I said before, the way this team has come together, they're not going to send any of their young players down to the minors when they don't deserve it. They're going to keep them up. This is a hell of a fun team to watch right now, and that's the best that we could have asked for as Habs fans. I'm going to cut it off there. I don't have anything else to say. I'm ecstatic about the Montreal Canadiens right now. I can't wait for Tuesday for the next game. I'm ecstatic about this team we're running what over 20 minutes so c'est une soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien uh, we're on Spotify Google Play Apple Megaphone I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT drop me a follow I would appreciate it very much thank you as always for listening and of course à la prochaine You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.